You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! As we've already said um, that uh, Don is on long service leave and we've got Ivan in the house and Sue in the house, but in a very special episode of You Cannot Be Serious, Dr Ben Fordham MD, not managing Don too well at the minute, but Dr, Fordham, uh, Dr. Ben Fordham MD is on the line because we are delighted he wants to just have a recap of a whole lot of things, particularly the voice, and he's on the line, the great doctor. Welcome, Doc. Hey. G'day, g'day, hey, g'day. Mate. Hello, Sue. Hi, <laughs> Ivan. Hey, hey Sam. Mate. And can I just, I, I don't know whether uh, you've already addressed the situation with my client and patient, Don, but I can tell you, uh, I don't think it's going to be long service leave. My impression it's going to be short service leave. I see. And I've I've actually got Don working on a top secret project today, which is why he's unable to be on the podcast. I have uncovered a bit of a story in Melbourne. In fact, it's just outside of Melbourne uh, in a regional part of Victoria, and it required someone to go undercover. So I needed someone who can slip into any situation and to be able to talk to anyone at any time. And I just thought Don was the right man for the job. So he's essentially going undercover for me today, which is why he's unavailable for the podcast. Uh, but the investigation should be complete by next week, <laughs> I'm hoping. It might drag on a little bit longer. Uh, but if everything goes to plan, uh, Don should be clear to return to You Cannot Be Serious by next week. No promises at this stage, Very but that's good. my intention. Well done, Doc. Well, you've uh, you've had a couple of inquiries as to how you're handling the... Uh, the uh, the the situation, and uh, we won't mention who you've had inquiries from. But uh, we've made a point. Uh, we've made a point, Doc, of not speaking too much about the voice. I've just had a small amount to say. And um, mm. just before, just but no, just on a serious note, uh, what do you make? I don't know if you want to get involved in this. Uh, what do you make of it's a huge thing going on overseas at the minute we we just said we haven't got any skin in the game about the israelis or uh, what do you make of that where is that go what is the end result of what's going to happen if if israel obliterate um the gaza strip and Mm. and and the other mob get involved where is that headed well it's going to be conflict forever i've been to this part of the world and I've seen it from both sides. I've spent time with uh, young Israeli blokes who were enjoying their last holiday before they were going to go in for compulsory military service and from their point of view uh, they live in constant fear because they they have to deal with suicide bombers and they, they, they have to go off and serve their country in the military. They have a compulsory time that they've got to go and then they can be called up at any time for the rest of their life or certainly until they reach a certain age which is much later in life than what you'd expect people to be serving in the military in Australia and then I've also been into the West Bank and I've spent time with Palestinians and they have a a real lack of freedom of movement you know they can only walk a certain distance and all of a sudden they come to a checkpoint you've got to line up you've got to explain where you're going and why you're going there so it's an awful life for for both sides of them Obviously, Israel has got all of the military muscle and uh, the Palestinians fight back through Hamas. And Hamas crossed a line a week ago Absolutely. when they 
when they decided to go into Israel and kidnap innocent people, kids at a music festival, grabbing men, women, children, the elderly, babies. There's even videos online of some of these Hamas terrorists holding some of these babies. So you've got like a, a gun slung over one shoulder and a baby in the other arm. Another piece of vision of a, a baby in a pram and a Hamas terrorist rocking the pram back and forth because they're wanting to keep these babies alive and use them as bargaining chips. So Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, has got a real dilemma at the moment because he wants to go in and wipe out Hamas, but when you go in and wipe out Hamas, you're also going to be wiping out the hostages that are being held, and, and I don't think those people are going to get out alive. I, I just can't see it happening. No Today there's you know, a hospital that is blowing up in Gaza, and you know what? They say that truth is the first casualty is, of war. And we're seeing that at the moment because a hospital has been blown up today in Gaza. Hundreds of people killed. And, of course, Israel is saying, oh, it wasn't us. They're saying that this was a, a rocket that was fired by yep. another group on the, on the Palestinian side and it failed and landed on the hospital. Yep. Of course, the Palestinians are saying as if this was a rocket fired by Israel. So, you know, truth is the first casualty of war. And all I would say in Australia is that we have Jewish people living in Australia, uh, we have Palestinian people living in Australia. Uh, we understand that it's a very difficult time for both groups, considering what's happening in their part of the world, but we do not want to see this conflict played out on the streets of Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane or anywhere else in Australia. That's why so many Israeli people choose to live in Australia. That's why so many Palestinian people also thousand, choose to live here. Twelve and a half because thousand it's a, Jews in uh, Australia. Uh, yeah, and it's a world away. It's a world away in Australia from from what's happening over there. And the end game, I'm sorry, Sam, is is there's never going to be a resolution. I had my son ask me during the week over dinner. He said, "Why do the Israelis and the Palestinians not like each other?" And I said, "Oh, that's a big question from an eight year old." But the best way I could explain it is, I said, "Well, look, you imagine in the playground." If you have two kids who are constantly at each other in the playground, the teacher would probably say, okay, you go over that side of the playground and you go that side of the playground. They are not afforded that opportunity in this part of the world because they are living on top of each other. It's such a small speck on the map and there are so many people there and neither of them want to give up their land or give up their, their rights. So they're going to live on top of each other for the rest of time. They're constantly going to be in conflict and I'm sorry to say, Sam, but this is a, a conflict, a war that is never, ever, ever going to end. Never. So, Doc, uh, well, thank you for that perspective. Now, um, uh, we've, we, we deliberately just shied away from the voice because we wanted your take Did on we? it. But f we just spoke a little about it. But I, my first uh, initial comment is finally the country is being awakened to what uh, was put to them by um, people who have no idea what's going on and don't resonate with the rest of the public. What do you reckon? Well, look, I, I've got lots of friends who were voting yes and I've got lots of friends who were voting no. And all I'd say is that I begged the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, several times this year to stop and change course. I, I saw him earlier this year. I went and saw him earlier this year. I interviewed him in January and it was described as a train wreck interview for Albo. And so I went and I offered to go and see him in January and he kind of brushed me probably because I was asking him tough questions. But then... In around about April, I'm guessing, I think it was Easter time. Yeah, it was, because I remember going from the 
Sydney Royal Easter Show where I was doing a broadcast that morning and then I went to Kirribilli House and I went and saw him. And while I won't reveal uh, things that he said to me during that conversation because it was a, a private one-hour chat between the two of us, I can certainly tell you what I was saying to him. And I was telling him, if you don't change course... This is going to blow up in the face of Indigenous Australians. It's going to be an awful experience for everyone. It's going to be a disaster for you politically. And I said, look, even though I asked tough questions of you about The Voice, don't mistake that as me being some kind of person of dark heart when it comes to Indigenous Australians. I fought for the Aboriginal flag to fly on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and I love seeing it there every single day when I drive home. Um, I've gone out of my way on many occasions to... Uh, to help Indigenous people, to fight for Indigenous causes. I've lived alongside many Indigenous brothers and sisters in Redfern, which is probably the part of Sydney where you have more Aboriginal people living in a city part of the state than anywhere else. So I was like, don't mistake my tough questions as someone who doesn't care about these issues. I care so much that I'm begging you to change the course you're on. Now, if we fast forward to July, I had him in my radio studio at 2GB, and I replayed three minutes of it the other day. It's up on my podcast feed for anyone who wants to listen to it. But I said to him, this is going to fail. I'm worried this is going to fail. You've got a chance to get a win-win here. You're the Prime Minister of Australia. If you want the voice, you can legislate the voice and then ask ask, ask us about Indigenous recognition in the Constitution, which the vast majority of Australians will vote for. We'd say yes to that, but it's the voice that was the thing that was worrying people because he couldn't explain it, didn't announce any of the detail. So I said, split the proposals up and you'll get a win on recognition at a referendum. You'll get a win because you'll get your voice. You just won't get it the way you, you wanted to have it. And if you don't follow this advice, there's a chance, Prime Minister, you'll end up with a lose-lose. And he woke up on Sunday morning a loser. Indigenous Australians who supported the voice and recognition also woke up losers because they lost the voice and they lost recognition. And you know what? When you're the Prime Minister, you shouldn't be asking people for permission for things that you're able to do yourself. That's called authority. That's called leadership. He didn't need us for a voice. He could have legislated a voice. He didn't need a referendum, but he made the mistake of asking us about it, the Australian people. And the other big mistake he made, Sam, is that a referendum has never passed without both sides of politics supporting it. He knows that better than anyone. So what did he do? On election night, he stood up there in front of all of the cameras and he said, we will introduce the referendum or the Uluru Statement of the Heart in full, right? Which means voice, truth, treaty. So he didn't go to Peter Dutton and say, hey, listen, mate, this is something that I care passionately about. I'm sure you do as well. Why don't we do this together? He wanted his moment in the spotlight and he decided to ignore history that tells you you can't get this done on your own. So what did Peter Dutton do? He said, no, I'm, I'm against it because you haven't given the details. And that was the moment when it was really set in stone. The rot was set in and now it's a bin fire. And now he just washes his hands and walks away from it yeah. and says, oh, well, no, Australia's spoken. No constitutional recognition, no voice, no anything, and we're back to where we started. This was a mistake of Anthony Albanese's own making. So, abs was spot on, Doc. But so, 
Even the people, so the yes voters are still not accepting it. I notice uh, a woman on the ABC said she's advising Aboriginal people not to be so friendly to white people from now on. We've got the flags flying at half-mast. We've had a week of silence because uh, it's this is a bit... It's just never-ending. It, 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 people will not accept the fact that the overwhelming majority of people voted no, and that is... Uh, and I still reckon it was half rigged uh, to even have those numbers. But uh, well, well, I, look, I, I just say this on the on the question of people voting yes or no. Some of my friends, who I would class as some of the most caring individuals in my friendship circle, voted no. And I remember one of them explaining to me. She said, "Look, I've been involved in government before, right? I've been involved in in high levels of government, and I know how hard it is to get stuff done." You've got to deal with the opposition. You've got to deal with the crossbench. You've got to deal with you pests in the media. And I don't want governments to have to have another group that they've got to deal with every time they want to announce something. And this was the problem. Albo decided the fewer details we give out, the greater chance of success. And when he worked out that that wasn't the case because the punters were saying, no, we want to know the details, he didn't pivot. You've got to pivot. You've got to go, okay, hang on a moment. Whatever we're doing isn't working here. It's a little bit like at quarter time or three-quarter time if you're getting flogged. What does the coach say in the dressing sheds? They don't say, hey, boys, just keep on doing what you're doing. They say, listen, we're going to have to change a few things here because what we're doing isn't working, so this is what we're going to do in the third quarter, the fourth quarter or whatever. He stuck to his guns. He didn't change. But you know what, Sam? I think something else happened over the weekend as well. I think Australians have been motivated and inspired by Jacinta Price who's encouraged all Australians to feel proud about the country we live in. She's encouraged Indigenous Australians to not always feel like they're a victim or be convinced by others, often white people in Parliament, that they're victims. Because if you convince yourself that you're a victim, you're never going to get out of victimhood. You're going to be there forever. And you're not going to realise the opportunities that you might if you leave victimhood. And she's also said to white Australians, you know what? It's not your fault what happened hundreds of years ago. Every country has a dark chapter in its history. How long can we keep on saying to our children and our grandchildren that we're sorry, that we're ashamed? Well, I'm sorry. I think Jacinta Price has given a permission slip to all Australians to look forward and not back. And, and Doc, you hit it on the head when you said... Uh, you, um, Anthony Albanese was not pragmatic enough to be bipartisan enough to invite the opposition to join him in this quest rather than just going alone. Well, that's what you've got to do. What he should have said on election night, he should have said, look, the time for grand statements is not tonight. These are the people I want to thank. We've got a big job in front of us. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to be outlining... My vision, you've already heard about it during the election campaign, but I'm going to put a bit more meat on the bone and tell you more about what our plans are. But first of all, I want to also meet with some of the key people, including the opposition, the people who voted for us, the people who didn't vote for us, and then he should have gone for a beer with Peter Dutton because they're both decent human beings, Peter Dutton and Anthony Albanese, regardless of your political persuasions. I guarantee if you bumped into either of them in a pub somewhere, they're both very easy to talk to. He should have said to Dutton, listen... I don't want to do this on my own. You believe in trying to close the gap as far as Indigenous people are concerned. So do I. Why don't we do this together? And they should have sat down on the back of a beer coaster or on the back of a pad and said, how can we do it? 
how are we going to best do it? We've got 11 Indigenous MPs and Senators who are in the Parliament. Why don't we set up a working group of those 11 plus you plus me, 13 in a room, let's call that the voice. You don't need a referendum for that. But if he wanted a referendum on Indigenous recognition or on some type of voice, he should have sold it to Peter Dutton first. He failed to do so, and now the whole thing has failed. And it is a disaster, and I feel genuine anger and remorse about the way that this has happened. Anger at Anthony Albanese because I begged him to change and he didn't listen, and remorse for Indigenous people who might wrongly assume that this is some kind of reflection or judgment on them when it's not that at all. It was Australia reacting to a dud idea sold by a bloke who, it turns out, is a pretty ordinary salesman. So, so, but how irresponsible... So the ABC, which is your ABC, how can you have a person advocating on the ABC that are suggesting that Aboriginal people be not so friendly to other Australians because the voice didn't get up? How, how can well, you have a national that, broadcaster having someone say that? That, that? That's not the way, you know, that Australians respond. People won't listen to that. You know, I, I think back, I, I had a young woman uh, on my program last week called Piper Stewart. She's 17, young Indigenous girl from Griffith in New South Wales. And we discovered that at 17, Piper Stewart has raised $40,000 to teach other Indigenous kids how to swim. Because when she was 12, she was at swimming lessons and she said to her mum, hey, how come there's no other Aboriginal kids in here in the swimming lessons? And the mum said, well, they're pretty expensive, honey. And she said, well, why don't we do something about it? So Piper Stewart at 12 started her own charity called Bambidji, which means swimming. And she's raised $40,000. She's taught hundreds of kids to swim. That's a go-getter. That's the type of person who we celebrate in the country, not people who try and divide us or tell us not to talk Mm -hmm. to each other. There's another bloke I met recently, Barry Maguire. He was doing a welcome to country at an event I was at. I got talking to him, very charismatic bloke from Western Australia. Uh, He sits on the board of one of Twiggy Forest companies, and he said, oh, there's my son over there. He runs one of Perth's biggest security companies. And I said, what do you make of the voice? And, you know, without taking him out of context or talking about a private conversation. He said, oh, look, mate, he goes, we've always just focused on working hard and getting along with everyone. And he said, my old man taught me when I was young that if you if you think that you know someone based on the colour of their skin, then you're an idiot. He said, so we always take people at face value. You know, there are some really good people out there. And if anyone doubts the generosity out there towards Indigenous people, about three weeks ago, I had a doctor on the show from WA. Her name is Sonia Henry. She's a white woman originally from Sydney and she moved to Western Australia to help these Indigenous kids who suffer from all sorts of health things, including rheumatic heart disease. And she discovered that if you use a virtual reality headset on one of these kids when when they're getting one of these giant needles, that it distracts them so much that they don't feel the needle, right? So one of these virtual reality headsets was being loaned to their clinic from another clinic And then they had to hand it back. So she put up a GoFundMe page and said, look, $5,000 will buy me one of these virtual reality headsets so that when the kids get these needles, and they're not normal needles, right? These are big needles that they put in a kid's bum. And, and you know, of course, they're screaming and crying because they know they're going to get the needle. Anyway, I contacted her and I said, where are you up to on the fundraising? She said, I'm at 3,000. I said, okay. I said, well, look, my wife and I would like to chip in too, so we'll get it to $5,000. That gets you the headset. I said, but if you come on my radio show next week 
I'll show you how generous people are. We'll buy more than one headset. So anyway, on the morning she was coming on, I told my listeners about it on 2GB, many of whom might have been voting no to The Voice, but that doesn't mean that they're nasty people or they don't care about exactly. Indigenous issues or Indigenous kids. So guess what they did, Sam? I said, okay, she's going to be on at 8.15. It's now 6.30. We've raised $5,000. I bet you we can buy another virtual reality headset by getting it to 10 grand before she's even on the line. So we got it to 10 grand before she was on the line. By the end of the show, it went from 10 grand to 15 grand to 20,000 to 25,000 and finally $30,000 by the time we finished the show. That's the Australia I know and that's the Australia I love. Well, as the much maligned Pauline Hansen said when the vote came in, she said today we are one nation, one country and one mob. And that is yep. about as succinct as you can get it and, uh, uh, and that's what we hope for, Doc. Um, and, and you know what? I'd say to people as well, if you're looking to help people, look out for some of those, those organisations, some of those young people, whether it's Piper Stewart and Bambiji, the charity that she set up, or Dr Sonia Henry, uh, who's doing her work in Western Australia. Google their names. You'll find some GoFundMe pages and you'll see that if you want to help people, you don't need to set up another committee to do it. And that's where Albo went wrong with The Voice. Australians don't have a lot of faith in committees. Committees are made up of people who sit around in a room and argue with each other and often don't get a lot done. So I think that's why they said no. But you know what, Sam? I think we want to move forward now. I think we want to be positive. Those who are unhappy about the result, they're just going to have to deal with the fact that Australia's made its decision through this great democracy and collectively... Not everyone may be on board, but I'm following the Jacinta Price method of let's be positive, let's show a lot of hope and faith about the future, and let's move together as one. Let's look forward, not back. Now, finally, Doc, finally, can you just give us any insight as to what your client is on about? What is, what is the secret mission he's on? Just You've got to just alert us in case we get well, surprised. Well, I just sent him a message before to say, how's our secret project going? And he says... <laughs> Slowly, you know, so I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, now that I have a look at the videos you put up of the way that Don dresses every day, you know, he's always got, he's always got these elaborate kind of colours on and, and he, he'll often wear a scarf and a beret and a strange looking jacket. I'm now questioning whether he's the best person to send undercover. <laughs> he know, might stand out. You know, I sent him a, I, I did send him a, uh, Sort of a half a peace offering. I said, mate, I'll quarantine your little section off here. You can do what you like in it. You can sleep in it. You can eat in it. You can drink yeah. in it. You can fart He'll in be it. back, mate. Very good. He'll be oh, back. He's, he's, just, he's working on this project. And look, <laughs> and he'll be able to tell you more about it at some stage. But look, I'm sorry that I've kind of, you know, dragged him away from the podcast today. But <laughs> it won't be for too long. And, and how's, um, how's Sue going? Sue, is Sue Sue's, going well? Sue is just letting in probably one of the greatest men, greatest Australians we're about to interview, a bloke called Lloyd Williams. Because, oh, Lloyd, the Lloyd Williams. The Lloyd yep. Williams because uh, the Melbourne Cup's coming up and if anyone knows about horse racing in the world or any other place on the planet, uh, it's uh, Lloyd. And um, so we're going to... I'm um, very, very uh, privileged because he doesn't he's speak to many people. Sam's fact, actually nervous. No one. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to listening to that and I'll talk to you guys soon and Come Ivan on, doing a great job there and um, look forward to talking to everyone real soon. He's asked all your questions that you pumped him with. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea what you're talking no, about. Good on you. 
All the He's best, He's another Doc. one of my clients. <laughs> okay, yes, bye. Good on See you. ya, mate. Bye-bye. See ya. Is that off? Are we off? What, what have I done here? Gone. Is it off? Is he? <laughs> yes. Right, oh, well, we're winding this up now, so we're just doing that. That was the Doc from Very Sydney. Good. Cause you-